Hello, and welcome to the Voter Podcast, because when you vote, good things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, radio and TV host, podcaster, and I'm kind of all right with pumpkin spice. I'm just excited for fall. I'm going to ignore that. So (laughs) I'm Jen Jordan, and you know what? Today, I am a damn good dog. I tell you what, it's Georgia. You're killing it. And we really need it in terms of uh, morale. You're number one. We are number one. As of now, I mean, when we're recording this, right? Yeah, That's no, right. we're always number one in our hearts. Do you feel that with Georgia being number one, that's something that could, like, if you were, like, in session at this, the, you know, the Capitol right now, you could all be high-fiving each other, everybody can really bond on that? Oh, my gosh. All it would be would be a bunch of resolutions honoring every person associated with the University of Georgia football team. I mean, it's just the craziest thing whenever, you know, our sports teams start winning. It's like they're always on the floor at the Senate. And so it's a little overwhelming sometimes. Seriously. I mean, University of Georgia definitely brings the passion. Uh, So I'm happy for you. And it's fall. I mean, that means football. That means pumpkins. I used to be very anti-pumpkin spice. but, But now, like, for some reason, I'm just not mad at it anymore. Well, maybe because it's it's familiar and we're just so glad to be coming out of the last really bad part of COVID. Yes. So maybe that's it. It feels it feels warm and and I don't know, like a hug. I know it feels good. It definitely feels good. So how are things going in? You're running for attorney general. How has it been? What's been happening? So it's been great, except for the fact that people are really focused on the Atlanta mayor's race, which they should be, right? Absolutely. But it's been fascinating for me talking to different supporters who all support me, for example, but have very strong feelings with respect to different candidates. And so that has been really, really interesting, kind of parsing all that out. Now, are they asking you who you're supporting? Oh, no. They're telling me (laughs) who they support. And I think that they just assume that who they're supporting, I'm supporting. Okay. So, man, I just keep my head down. So just so you know, later on in the podcast, we're going to talk to Andre Dickens and Felicia Moore. And um, we've already talked to Kasim Reed a couple of weeks ago. So we're just trying to get to know some of the candidates a little bit better. People are definitely asking me and I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I declare that on here. That's really weird. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I, I just like because I'm declaring you, but I feel like I sort of am on your team. Well, yes, but also running for mayor is is altogether different and it is a nonpartisan race. Right. So people have very strong feelings for for different reasons. And particularly with the issues we're having in public safety and crime and, you know, all the stuff that kind of came out of covid. I mean, people are paying really close attention. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring Andre and Felicia on, because we thought it was important for folks to hear them talk about what they care about. Now, you've probably seen there's been plenty of forums and debates, but, you know, it's just kind of a little bit different in terms of sitting here with us and just answering some questions. It's just a guess to know you kind of thing. All right. Let's um, this is that that's light. This is not light. This is uncomfortable. This was a crazy story this week. And it seems to be a reoccurring theme 
unfortunately, anti-Semitism. Herschel Walker was going to have a fundraiser and the person that was holding it had a Twitter uh, avatar that was a bunch of syringes as in an anti-vaccine in the shape of a swastika. And it got picked up by the AJC and his team had to make a comment on it that wasn't great. And then they cancel the fundraiser. Do they not vet what's going on? And why does anti-Semitism just keep coming up? It's, it's, it, it's really hurting my heart. It's weird. A lot of these stories are coming out of Texas, too. So this woman, this fundraising woman, I guess she gives a lot of money to uh, right-wing candidates or, or those running on the right. And he was supposed to go to Texas and she was going to raise him a bunch of money or whatever. But yeah, like her avatar is a swastika. It's like, who wants to be associated with that? I didn't understand it. And then we go back to Texas. And I believe we talked about this last time when we were talking about school boards and how school board members are being terrorized. There's that video of the woman in in Florida who gives this testimonial of, of what she's gone through. I'll play a little clip of this. I don't reject people coming here and speaking their voice. They, they do it all the time. We, we, don't, we don't stop them from doing that. I don't reject them standing outside my home. Um, I reject them following me around in a car, following my car around. I reject them saying that they're coming for me, that, they're, that I need to beg for mercy. I reject that when they are using their First Amendment rights on public property, they're also going behind my home and brandishing their weapons to my neighbors that they're making false DCF claims against me to my daughter, that I have to take a DCF investigator to her playdate to go underneath her clothing and check for burn marks. That's what I'm against, which is a credible threat and calculated. So this is the stuff, I think it was Brevard County, Florida. I can look back at that and we can add that in the show notes because I'm just thinking of that off the top of my head. And then I've been very closely watching uh, the podcast called South Lake that's put on by NBC News. And then that made national news this week because there was a uh, someone who was leading the school board who wanted, I'll play you the, I'll play you that clip. As you go through, just try to remember the concepts of 3979 and make sure that if, if, if you have a book on the Holocaust, that you have one that has opposing that has other How do you oppose the Holocaust? <laughs> Believe me, that's come up. So, so number the stars. Having an alternative view to the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, and you can hear the teachers in the background kind of just catching their breath. Like, how, how do you have an opposing view in terms of the Holocaust? You know, and, and it's, it's just silly season. Yeah. I mean, this is in the Carroll School District, and it was Gina Petty, who is the Carroll School District's executive director of curriculum and instruction. That's pretty chilling. Well, I think what she was trying to do, and I'm not, look, I'm not justifying anything that she said, but I, I think there's a Texas law that is is supposed to to make teachers almost like give both sides of an issue. And unfortunately, there aren't both sides to some issues. There's there's evil and there's right. And you can't sit there and say, okay, well, there was the Holocaust. You know, was it good or bad debate? 
I mean, that's just not, you know, that's just unfathomable as we sit here. Absolutely. And the Brevard School Board member was Jennifer Jenkins, who we heard that really powerful testimony from. So I just wonder where we go from here, because, you know, we have to know better. And then in Cobb County, there has been been some powerful moves made there because there's been, uh, you know, anti-Semitism, vandalism in the schools. And what's interesting about that is that's where the South Lake stuff all started. It started with vandalism in a public park of like, oh, that was racist. And now we have this in Cobb County and there are some school board members that that are just not doing a great job acknowledging exactly what it is. Well, and I think that that's what is probably most troubling about the Cobb County stuff, which is, you know, when stuff is happening in a different state, you kind of say to yourself, well, well, that's not happening in in my backyard or, or in my school system. It wouldn't happen in my school system. But with respect to Cobb County, it is happening. And, you know, it really should make us all kind of stop for a second and, and think, why? It's kind of what you were saying, like, why? Why is this happening? Why? Why does this keep popping up the way that it's popping up? Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why, you know, it feels like this has been one thing after another. You have John Ossoff's nose being enlarged in yeah, ads. That was crazy. Okay. Now, there have been other, that happened recently in another district. You have... Uh, obviously, I don't like to give too much air to Marjorie Taylor Greene, but blatant anti-Semitism with her and her ilk. Uh, Kelly Leffler campaigning with her. And the list goes on and on and on of these these incidents that are happening that it's just so, of course, it's going to trickle down to. I mean, look, you could point to Charlottesville and find people on both sides. I mean, you know, as a Jewish person, you can't get that out of your head if Jews will not replace us. And then the president coming out the next day saying saying there are good people on both sides, which is. Yeah, you're right. So it's just this crazy thing. And where do we go from here? And the school board stuff is really troubling because it feels like there are people who are becoming activists who don't even have kids at the school. They're just showing up because this is a hotbed of protesting. Well, and and it feels like that maybe they're being pushed that way by some of the, you know, Fox, you know, the Fox commentators. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And they're feeding into whatever the latest conspiracy theory is. You know, they show up angry, really, really mad at these school board meetings, you know, start yelling and they have no idea really what's going on. Look, if you serve on a school board, it is hard work, right? It is really hard work. And so the idea that folks are serving and they're being attacked just for doing their jobs, you know, when they're trying to do the right thing, it's concerning. It should be concerning for all of us because who who's going to run then except folks who want to take it over and maybe do things that aren't in the best interest of our children. Well, I think the the bigger issue here, and it's like the the thing that's hanging over all of this, in my guesstimation, is that demographics are changing. People are speaking out. Students are saying, hey, you know what? It's not okay for you to speak to me like that or another student to speak out to me like that or people like in the 90s you didn't or 80s or 90s before there wasn't like an lbgtq club at the school where that's now where people are just not accustomed to evolving and changing demographics so these schools are doing the best that they can 
to accommodate these new I mean, I don't want to say they're new gen because they were always there, but they're finally being recognized. And for some people, this is very, very hard to evolve. Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I I agree with that. But I'm not sure if that's where some of this is coming from as much as it's, you know, it's almost become okay to be angry and to act out violently when you don't agree with something. Mm -hmm. Right. That's Mm -hmm. that's almost become the norm like Mm -hmm. yeah you should be able to do that and we need to look no further than what the ethics commission in georgia did a couple of weeks ago where they okayed candidates or elected officials using campaign money to pay for security systems at their house think about that y'all i know i mean when the Georgia Ethics Commission basically says it is absolutely justified to use campaign money, you know, for security at your home, because when you run for office or when you hold office, you're putting yourself or your family in jeopardy. So, you know, go ahead and take the money and do what you need to do. Yeah, that is scary. I did notice that the fundraiser that I attended for you at Senator Parent's house, there's a security guy there. Yeah. I mean, Senator Parent, along with myself, but I think she really did get the worst part of it. You know, she had all kinds of death threats after the Giuliani hearings, and she got doxxed. So, you know, her house, her address, (sighs) all of that was out on the Internet, and she's got two small children. I mean, you know, people who, who serve, who are just trying to be public servants, and then they get attacked if they don't agree with a certain viewpoint or if they push back, you know, that really is anti-democratic in my mind. Absolutely. Okay, moving on quickly before we get to, we talk about the Atlanta mayor's race. Ahmaud Aubrey trial is starting in Brunswick. This is a really, really big deal. What do you see happening? How do you see this going? You know, what's interesting about that is that they've sent out the jury summons. Probably a lot of y'all have gotten them before to a thousand people, to a thousand people. And just to kind of, you know, bring it into a normal context of, well, what's normal and what's not, when I pick juries, even for for cases that are controversial in some way, right, where people have really strong feelings about a certain thing, the most I get is 60 to 80, right, in terms of people to go through. Because when the attorneys are, are, and they call it striking a jury, they sit down with them they question them. They ask them if they've seen any kind of news coverage of the event. And look, who hasn't with respect to, to Ahmad's killing? Did they see the video? Do they know the people? Do they have an opinion? Do they have any kind of, uh, of thought about the people that have been accused or about Ahmad or his family or anything like that? And the problem is finding people that you can seat on a jury that don't know anything about it, right, and have no opinion whatsoever, I think that's going to be almost near impossible. Yeah, and especially in Glynn County, where everybody knows each other. It's real small town, even though Brunswick's a big city, but it has that vibe of, you know, people have lived there for generations. And the things I had looked at something that said they're going to, they're trying to bring in, like that Ahmaud Arbery was on probation, 
which is just so troubling to me that the way they're going to try and paint a picture of him. So, and this goes to kind of a tactic that criminal defense attorneys use, and it's really good criminal defense attorneys do this. And we have to remember the role of a criminal defense attorney, which is, look, the, the power of the state is awesome in terms of just how powerful the state is. So a criminal defense attorney is there to make sure that due process is done, the Constitution is followed, right? Because the state needs to meet its burden, right? If you are going to take someone's life, for example, if it's a capital case or if you're going to throw somebody in jail for the rest of their life, yeah, you you need to to make sure that somebody's constitutional rights aren't being violated. So one of the things that that criminal defense attorneys do, and like I said, good ones, is that they they put this stuff out there and they say, oh, judge, we, we want to bring this in when they know that the judge more likely than not is going to rule against them because then it gets picked up by the paper. Right. And then the headline is, you know, uh, a mod's status here is, is is they're trying to get it in or, or a mod did this or whatever. And guess what? Guess who might see it? A potential juror. Right. So it, it's it's really, you know really good attorneys do it and this is their role and and folks somebody told me that these attorneys have been getting death threats and the like y'all no i mean i get that this is a really awful case and stuff but what we want is we want attorneys that are going to represent these guys so that no one can reverse that conviction right so you know making sure that the constitution is followed making sure that the rules are followed by the state will ensure that that when and if a conviction is secured, that there's not going to be any way to really unwind that. You got to be attorney general. <laughs> I'm just sorry. That's very sexy. The way you break that down, man. I have to play it for my husband, I guess. <laughs> that right there is just like lady crush all the way. It's why so many women love you because you made that so easy to understand and breaking it down, especially with such a heavy case the way that is. I mean, it's just such a horrible, horrible case. Well, that's just it. I want to make sure that the people responsible for this are held responsible, right? That there is some, some modicum of justice for this family. And for that to happen, the system has to work. And so that's why we just all have to be patient and let the system work. Okay. On that note, let's see who's going to be the mayor of Atlanta. It could be decided from this podcast. I'm sure that's definitely going to go that way. Uh, So let's give a listen to some of our candidates. Well, we are excited to get into the mayoral race in Atlanta. A lot of people talking about things, wondering things, want to learn more about candidates. And we have spoken to a couple of people and we want to keep that going with Andre Dickens, who's running. He is the at-large city council member and now is running for Atlanta mayor. Uh, Andre, good to see you. Good to see you both as well. Yeah. So for folks that don't understand the being an at-large member of the city council, tell them what that means. Yeah. So, um, one, thank you for having me on this program, and I'm so excited to be talking about all things Atlanta. Um, an at-large council member, there's three of us, and there's post one, two, and three, 
and there are 12 district council members. And typically the district members deal with their districts and situations that may affect the whole city. Whereas the at-large members, we tend to try to do best practices across the entire city, uh, deal with the overall budget, the overall public, you know, public safety and transportation. Um, we don't say, hey, these guys are going to get, you know, more than these guys and those sort of things. I'm not advocating for one district. I'm trying to make sure that the entire city of Atlanta is running uh, according to plan and that we can meet the goals of every citizen group. And so a lot of times I'm looking at one neighborhood that may have just got sidewalks and I'm aware of another neighborhood that wants sidewalks. How do I do what we did there to get it to happen over here? What park situation, uh, conservancies, green spaces, and uh, affordable housing, how to spread that around, and transportation. So we tend to be more balanced and fair in our assessments of things. Um, not to say that we're better or anything like that. It's just, you know, how it works. Uh, the at-large is, I mean, it's, it's interesting because everywhere I go, I'm in somebody's district. So... If somebody calls me and says, hey, there's a water main break running down my street and nobody's doing anything about it, I have to say, I have to do it and then I have to call the district person and say, hey, Mrs. Jones just called me and said nobody's doing anything about 123 Maple Street. I just solved it, but I'm not going to call her yet. I'm going to let you know so you and I can call them and say it because I don't want to get in bad terms with the, uh, with the district rep. People's toes get stepped on easily. And uh, at large, we have to help everybody and kind of spread the wealth around. I love Mrs. Jones. Me and Mrs. Jones. Jones, I use Mrs. Jones as an example for everything. Okay. (laughs) So since you have all this experience, just give us a little nugget on why um, you wanted to take it to the next level and run for mayor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. This is my home. I I have always wanted to be a mayor since I was 16 years old. Uh, I just told, I told Shirley Franklin that when I was 16 years old, her son and I were in basketball in school together. And uh, ironically, I'm telling you this story. And today she endorsed me. Congratulations, uh, by the way. That was really good. That's a big get. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good get. She's amazing. Um, But anyway, so I think, you know, I, I did SGA in college and neighborhood presidents and NPU system in the city of Atlanta and ran for city council and won and did that for eight years. And so my experience and leadership and uh, understanding what desire to serve this city continues to grow. And right now we need a, uh, I think we need a mayor that is hands-on, very available and attentive but also very inclusive, has a citywide view of things. And that's why a citywide council member makes sense, but also someone who has lived all over the city of Atlanta. I've gone from growing up in Southwest Atlanta to going to Georgia Tech to be the first in my family to go to college. And so meeting all these people from all over the city and running a business in the city, and also you know just having friends and relationships everywhere, I draw lots of circles. I don't draw lines and divide. So I think that today, when you look at the city or even in the nation, the problem we have are too many lines are drawn. And so we have this side versus that side, us versus them. I bring everybody together because we really have to share this city. And so that's why I'm running because the next mayor is going to have to have a lot of help. You're going to need the business community to 
to be able to get this done and to hire people to give them great jobs. We're going to need nonprofits to be able to be that support me- mechanism, the case management and the wraparound services. You're going to need the faith community. So many churches in Atlanta and all of them want to help pray and deliver people's um, wellness in various means and manners. You're going to need the schools, the APS all the way through colleges and universities. I have experience with them at, as, a, as an employee at Georgia Tech for so many years after graduation. And you're going to need government. So all those things are so necessary to solve the problems of Atlanta today. And I think that you need the right person for the job to manage all those competing interests and balancing acts of delivery of uh, goals. And that's what I do well. Yeah. So specifically in terms of partnerships, and I think you're, you're absolutely right on. I think what we've seen, at least in the recent past, is really kind of how the relationship between the city of Atlanta and um, the state government, let, let's say Governor Kemp, isn't, isn't great, right? And so the question is, you know, how, how would you work with, with Governor Kemp? Because obviously there's, there's something going on, there's some kind of beef out there between him and the current mayor. And we really, in terms of Atlanta, I mean, working with the state has always been a good partnership for us. So, so how would you work with Governor Kemp? Yeah. So actually, I ran into him last night at the Four Pillars dinner and talked with him for maybe five, 10 minutes. And he said, I see you running and uh, congratulations and good luck to you. And I talked to him. I said, hey, I know we're going to have to have a good relationship when I'm mayor, you know, putting it out there fortuitously. And, and I, you know, uh, there are so many things I think we can agree upon. And he said, yeah, that's why we got to work together. And he said, people think I have this work really bad relationship with Mayor Bottoms, and I don't. We just disagree on a number of things. And I said, well, that's good to hear. For me, guys, I think it boils down to this. The mayor of Atlanta is the mayor of a city that is the creature of the state. We belong, we're in a state. We're going to, you know, it's the state's creation. It allows us to exist. So we have to have a, a relationship of trust and discussions, open dialogue with the state. Um, but we, and we have to represent our citizens and remind the state that the citizens of Atlanta are their citizens too. So when the Atlantans say we want this or we need that, they're talking to the mayor and the city council, but they're also talking to state officials. It's not like Atlanta just over here in the in an island. Um, but no, the governor has to care and operate and deliver for Atlanta. And I believe that we will agree on job creation. We will agree on business, on business attraction, on business scaling, on apprenticeships and internships and workforce development. I think we'll actually have some similarities and desire to have public safety. Um, I think we'll probably be, you know, wanting to have a more balanced approach to it, but I think there are some needs that the state and the city can agree upon. But of course, you know, we will fight hard on those places where we agree and fight on the opposite side on those things that we disagree on around voting rights or around health care. And so when, uh, when, whenever we disagree, I'll make the long walk over and have the conversation, see if we can't massage it out. But when I leave, I'm still representing the citizens of Atlanta and I'll be um, on issue with my disagreement. I won't be on personal, no personal attacks, no need to say that Kemp is out of touch. He can't do this and he's wrong. No, it's more or less, this is, you know, what we're doing. And we see, we see eye to eye on something and we see differently 
on these other things. And where we see differently, I'll still represent my citizens of Atlanta. Okay. Well, that does sound like a rosy uh, forecast, but we, as we all know, um, especially learning from the past year and a half yeah. with COVID and protesting and crime, it has been quite prickly uh, with the governor's office and the mayor's office. And now the city of Buckhead, uh, is, you, know, you know, wanting its own cityhood is certainly another one that is a red hot fire issue. Um, so let's hear your take on it. Yeah, this uh, proposed divorce between Atlanta and Buckhead is going to be an unnecessary, expensive one for both spouses. Atlanta and Buckhead, and the children are the ones who are going to suffer the most. The Atlanta public school system, $230 million in, um, in a gap when if, if Buckhead were to leave. So this is a marriage that is going to leave both spouses upset because they're going to spend a lot, and the children are going to be without. That's bad. So we can't let that happen. What I know is, as someone who's lived in Buckhead, lived in Northwest Atlanta, lived in Midtown, and lived in Southwest Atlanta, is that everyone wants to feel safe and they want to feel heard, want to have their day to be able to be heard by their leadership, the mayor. And so what happens is I have a safe streets plan, which is a balanced approach to safety and justice. It's the, I'm the first candidate to publish my plan and have it vetted by former police chiefs across the nation. And it's a great plan. I don't have to go over it right here, but Safe Streets Atlanta is where you can find out the details. But we'll basically hire officers to fill these vacancies and train them in a 21st century way to be able to de-escalate crimes and to be able to do um, conflict resolution and to do this in a, in a way that is racially sensitive, but also fight violent crime and to get you know community-based policing, officers getting out of their cars, walking the beat, et cetera. We'll make sure that we're safe in the first year of, of uh, my term. And that's across the whole city, not just Buckhead. The other thing is making sure that you feel heard is about being a hands-on mayor, showing up, going to the Buckhead Council of Neighbors meeting, going to the Buckhead Hotel Council, going to uh, Livable Buckhead, Buckhead Coalition. I've done that every single week. And I'm often, you know, very much attentive to the details. When a crime happens, I've gone to the crime scene. I go to roll call of the police and, and, and provide donuts or a meal and talk to the officers about what's going on in their zone. This is very important about being hands-on and being attentive. So I think that when Buckhead sees that they have a mayor that's keeping them safe and a mayor that's hands-on, they can talk to me about problems, they see me showing up at crime scenes or issues uh, that arrive, we'll host town halls that proactively host town halls. I think they'll say, okay, my garbage is getting picked up, my roads are better, and this city uh, is safer. Why do I want to go out here and start my own government when I have one I can trust? And the last thing is, sometimes Buckhead is responding to corruption, the, the thought that they don't, have, they don't have a government or a mayor that they can trust personally with integrity. And so um, that's why I'm running for mayor, because I don't believe that we should go backwards to any type of corruption. Okay. All right. Well, we have to ask you um, if you had a friend coming to town to Atlanta, uh, what are the three places you would tell them they have to go to? <laughs> ah, 
Ah. May depend on the friend, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the So, you know, I like to go outside. You know, I like to go outdoors and do stuff. So, you know, one thing, of course, is to go walk the Beltline. Okay. You know, we'll just go for hours and walk around and go to the various shops and breweries and, and um, ice cream parlors and you know, we'll get we'll get in a lot of Beltline time and just check out the art because they're going to be wild by. Look at all these people out here hanging out and having a good time. Sure. And all the creativity, the art, the different the, the, the different people that's there. So I think that's um, that's definitely one thing. I'm hoping that if they're my friend, they would have already gone to the King Center or Center for Civil and Human Rights. Um, but if not. Those are places that are must go. You know, you got to figure out a way for them to go out to, you know, the King Center to see the graveside, the eternal flame and all those things right there around um, the King Center. And it's free. So we can go do that on our way to the Beltline since they're fairly close. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I I would hope that, that, you know, I, I love dinner at the shops with Buckhead area. You know, there's a lot of good restaurants around there that are cool. And when I mentioned the the Beltline, I'm talking about the East Side and the West Side Trail because those cool breweries that are on the West Side are ones that I like a lot. So yeah, you know, outdoorsy stuff. But if it's if it's Atlanta, I know that we're going to have a festival because we always have festivals. That's every so weekend. true. Yeah. So we got to go to one of these festivals, and and you know, every neighborhood has one: the Canlan Park Festival, the Inland Park Festival, the uh, Atlanta Dogwood Festival, the Jazz Festival, the Chili Cookoff, and in the, this and that. And so, I think um, I don't know if we're gonna, you know, we'll just be outside. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It, it's true. Atlanta loves a festival, Jen. No, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, and, and it's such a beautiful place, and and it is the city of trees. And you're right, just being outside, it has such a different feel than a lot of other really large cities. So, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. All right. Well, our next guest, we are excited to talk to Atlanta City Council President and running for mayor. Felicia Moore is with us. Felicia, it is so great to talk to you. Great to be here. And thank you so much for having this conversation with me. No, I think it's super important. I mean, look, I think people are probably more focused on the mayor's race this year than than I've seen them ever before. I mean, after coming out of COVID and some of the issues we've been dealing with, I mean, people understand just how significant and important the role of the mayor is, I think. Yeah, I believe people are tuned in to what really matters, not to say that state and federal don't matter and county, but where the rubber meets the road is local local government. And because many of the things that we provide and services we provide in the city are not going so well, then that gets people's attention. And so I'm glad people are, are getting actively engaged and ready to vote in this election. Well, I think it's people are a little overwhelmed because there are so many candidates. I believe it's 14 candidates uh, running for mayor. 16, if you put right, oh, the writings. We have two writings as well. Wow. Okay, so 16. So I, I think the idea that we wanted to, to talk to different candidates is to, to get to know you all a little bit better. And the first thing, of course, I have to ask is, what made you decide you were going to run for mayor? And as a city council president, was that always in the cards for you that you wanted to, 
take that next step. Well, and before you answer, Felicia, one of the things that I think is is important and significant here is that you announced before Mayor Bottoms announced that she wasn't running for re-election, which I think is is an important distinction here. It wasn't like you saw an opportunity and opening. Right. It was this was your intention this year all along. Right. So it's very simple. You know, I served District 9 for five terms, 20 years, representing from Buckhead to Bankhead, as, which is Donnelly Hollowell Parkway and everything in between it, a large Latino population. And then I always said when I was through with that, I wanted to be president of council because I love parliamentary procedure and rules of order and running meetings. And uh, so this was going to be, in my mind, the pinnacle of my public service career, particularly in city government. And when I got in the seat, uh, not long after, I realized how active the mayor was in the Biden campaign and understanding that if she was to leave, which there were rumors of that, that she may leave, that I would become the mayor for the unexpired term. So I'm a good Girl Scout and I started preparing to be mayor and beginning to prepare to run for mayor. But then she did not leave. And it was a really easy transition for me to decide that I was going to continue uh, running as mayor. I mean, I was up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, sometimes fielding calls from uh, people who were victims of crime, couldn't get 911 on the line. I mean, all kinds of issues. And I found myself just apologizing, apologizing. Uh, Then I also was at the same time getting a lot of different calls uh, from our city employees uh, and the deteriorating state of our service delivery. And I just said, you know what, I can't do this for another four years. Just, you know, tell people I'm sorry and maybe give them a few referrals to someone in the executive branch to talk to and hope that they help them. I said, you know what, I need to step up and get my hands on the wheel uh, and, and steer the city in a better direction, or I was willing not to be an elected official. It, it, for me, if I'm going to be in a position to serve, if I'm not able to serve, uh, then why be there? It's not because it's not about me or my ego. I don't need to be elected to be Felicia Moore. I was that before I got elected and will be that after. Let's talk about some of the things that you just grilled out, and specifically crime. That's one of the biggest things that people are really focused on in the city of Atlanta, and that leading to Buckhead Cityhood, which seems to be the hottest issue in the mayor's race. So can you talk a little bit more about your positions on that, and uh, where do we go from here? Well, of course, I do not support any part of our great body called Atlanta leaving is just like I would not like you to come cut off my leg. Um, No, we we need to be a whole city and I want to work to unify the city. And I understand and validate their concerns and their concerns are the same concerns whether I go to Southwest Atlanta or Southeast Atlanta or any other part of this city. People want to feel safe and they want to get what they're paying for in their tax dollars. And they also want an ethical uh, government that's working for them. And so what I am going to do is, as soon as I'm elected, before I even get sworn in, because I'll be seeking them out. I don't think I'll change their mind. 
but I do want to have those conversations and develop those relationships. We have to uh, work to address those issues that they have. I'm going to also be at the state legislature uh, trying to keep it from moving forward. If for some reason I'm unsuccessful in that uh, and they do get the vote, by November 2022, I will have, from the day when I'm sworn in until that time, worked very hard uh, to address safety and service delivery and whatever issue they, whatever issue they may bring up. I, and I believe that a majority of the voters in that area will vote to stay. Uh, it happened, you know, in Stockbridge with Eagles Landing, and it was voted down. And I believe once they hear all of the facts, uh, because it, it's going to be costly for them and those who will call themselves the citizens of a new city. Um, once they know all the facts, I think we can convince a majority of them, if they get that right to vote for it, um, say. Well, you indicated about going over and, I guess, talking, having relationships with those at the Capitol under the Gold Dome. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've we've seen that the current mayor and Governor Kemp, they've, you know, they've been in, in opposition with each other, you know, a, a number of times. Mm-hmm. How would you work with Governor Kemp and, and the current leadership under the Gold Dome? Well, I'll use the same example. And, and I've met with the governor about three times. Uh, a couple of them I think I asked for and maybe other ones he asked for. And so, you know, I, I know I can get in the office. But when we were under threat of the airport takeover, I, I lived under the cold zone, it seemed like. And I even met with Bert Jones, went to his hometown in Jackson, uh, Georgia. We were supposed to meet 30 minutes, ended up meeting two and a half hours. So I've been able to reach out to people, even though we didn't agree, uh, and we agreed to disagree. And I think that you got to have those conversations. and then. When you disagree, you got to find a way to do it with uh, finesse. I like to fight people with facts uh, more than things that will uh, maybe appear to be personal attacks or veiled to personal attacks. Because in the public, they don't really care about that. They want to see that even if you are not in the same party or you don't have the same philosophy, that you can somehow uh, work it out and work together. So I like to fight people with facts. And I think that we can get along in that way better than perhaps, you know, it, it really got a, kind of got personal, I think, on both sides. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, you know, that's it seems like we're in a whole new territory now where people do take personal attacks. And especially, you know, with you know Atlanta being such, you know, where the people say, well, there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and that seems to to make things hard. So, what are some of your biggest goals as far as like if you you were mayor, what what you know what what are like the top three things in your first hundred days? Well, I've mentioned them, but I would love to re-mention them. The top uh, three in my platform is one: make sure every neighborhood in this city is safe, no matter what their zip code or income bracket. So that's a comprehensive approach of dealing with. Uh, making us safer around the city. I have a what I call my five C's to, to address that. Our children, our cops, our code enforcement, the courts, and the community. Uh, and then I want to make sure that we are giving people the services that they deserve. I mean, our city is dirty. We have potholes in the street. 
uh, that need to be filled. And uh, uh, you call 911. You're hopeful that someone will pick up the line in a timely manner. There's a lot of uh, dysfunction and mismanagement in our departments, equipment that is down, facilities that are bad. And we've been putting band-aids on it. And we've done and paid more attention to focusing on the big things like the stadium and the shiny objects as opposed to our fundamental city services. And so I really want to roll my sleeves up and get that done because people pay for these services and they deserve to have the services and our city needs it. And then the final piece of the three things that are sort of my principles of service. Number one, I'm an advocate, strong advocate for transparency in government where people know where their money is being spent, how it's being spent, and that it's not been abused, and it has been. Second, ethics in government, having passed many pieces of legislation to strengthen our ethics code. And, I, you know, I've served with integrity and will continue to do so as mayor. And then accountability, making sure that we're accountable to the people that we serve and being held accountable, you know, if we don't serve correctly. Uh, you know, we have this cloud of corruption over City Hall that we will be dealing with next year. And uh, we, I am so proud whether I do another thing in city government that as president, I offered legislation for the first inspector general of the city and a compliance officer to hold us accountable to following our own charter and code, and also for independent procurement review officers that are independently looking at contracts that we award and letting the council know if there have been problems so we don't have those issues. The pay to play and others will have some another eye watch. Well, what's interesting in terms of what you were talking about, the cloud of corruption that, you know, we've been dealing with for a while, it has other effects. And, and let me say, you talked about the, the airport takeover. I know with respect to Burt Jones, that was one of his main arguments. He would point to this cloud of corruption or, or this, this idea that, you know, City Hall was corrupt or the leadership was corrupt over there as justification for the state of Georgia basically taking away the airport from the city of Atlanta. And so there are real consequences, even to people thinking something's going on, even if if no one knows one way or the other. So I appreciate you yeah. saying something about that. Yeah, and, and I just want to add, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because people, sometimes I'm hearing some people are willing to put that aside because they think they're going to get safety or something else. But it's far and wide. I mean, it, it hurts your ability to get good talent at the city. You know, people, when they work for a mayor of any major city, they want to work for an administration where people look favorably on it because it helps them in their, in their next endeavor. It cost us $30 million in counting just in outside counsel. Now, I'm not talking about staff time and all the other things, just our outside legal counsel bills and responding to this. And the most important thing is it's costing us the trust of our public. And that's why it's important for people to elect a mayor that has integrity, that doesn't have that distraction, that doesn't have that question mark or that cloud, because we've got some tough decisions to make in this city. And you've got to at least trust the person who is saying, we've got to go in this direction. In terms of running, what surprised you the most? Is there something that, you know, that's happened or just something you're like, man, 
I, I was not well, expecting that to happen. Well, when I decided to run, I, I had run citywide as president, and I kind of knew what I was getting into. You know, the dreaded call time that candidates have to make where you pick up the phone. Oh, and, I know. And she knows. <laughs> and so I said, oh, my goodness, I'm running for mayor. I know this is going to be a, a heavier lift. But when I first started and I picked up that phone, and even now, uh, just the support that I had from people was overwhelming. And it really hasn't been as bad as whatever bad was as I thought it was going to be uh, because people are welcoming, people are encouraging, and it's really been uh, a good race. Do you feel that way when you're making those calls, Jen? Uh, no, I think I need to come sit next to Felicia. Look, and, and I want to give Felicia some major props here because so part of her old city council district that she represented was part of my Senate district. It, it encompassed. And I will tell you, I have never heard constituents of a city council district love their council person as much as those people loved Felicia. And when she talks about from from Bankhead to Buckhead, she is exactly correct and, you know, her fans, it, it goes up and down in terms of that council district. So I am not surprised that, that you know, when you picked up the phone, people were like, you know, maybe a, a little friendlier than you thought. They yeah, would they're be. like, hi, Felicia. <laughs> not oh, bye, Felicia. Right. <laughs> Mayor has been dying to say that. Well, you know, you have, I have my saying, you know. People like that old that saying bye Felicia and I tell them you can't say bye to Felicia to me because I can't be Bob. Oh, oh I like it. That's good. Okay. One more <laughs> fun question. Sure. Okay. So who is your favorite Atlanta celebrity or politician or what like person do you admire mm. who's like just says Atlanta to you? Oh gosh. There's so many. My Okay. Uh, I love uh, Judge Glenda Hackett. She's oh, yeah. Yes. President. <laughs> um, I, I, I love her. She's uh, just a light. And I'll never forget she came to my inauguration. And I thought I had a personal assistant. She said, I'm with you the whole time. And she, she, she walked me everywhere. She was with me the whole time. And I just thought that was so special. Uh, so she's really special. So let me see who else. Gloria Bermel Tanubu. Gloria Bermel Tanubu is a council district uh, member of District 12 who I work for as a council aide. And she was so special to me because I saw a fierce black woman fighting for the people. She really cared about the people. And she's always been like my greatest cheerleader and my biggest supporter here. And then I would have to... Um, say uh, Yolanda Adrian. Uh, she's a council member of District 8 and was my seatmate on Atlanta City Council. And she is such a light and has been such a great supporter. And, you know, we didn't always agree when we were on City Hall. Um, and she always thought I was crazy because I would go up against, you know, who. <laughs> um, and uh, she was like, she just watched to see what would happen. Uh, but she's been a great cheerleader and just a great person and representing Buckhead area very well. Yeah, Yolanda's amazing. I mean, she's been, look, it's kind of the same thing with with me. Like, we don't always agree necessarily on the issues, but 
but she has been such a hard worker for her community and is, is just so smart. So just a great resource. Well, Felicia, this is so cool to talk to you. Good luck. Thank Everybody you. can find more about Felicia at FeliciaMoreForMayor.com. And I will never say buy Felicia the same way again because you can't buy Felicia. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's you pretty good. Buy me. <laughs> Felicia will not be bought. <laughs> and thank you. So now, you know, after I said that, say every time somebody says hi, Felicia, I really smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving us some time today. All right. Thank you all. All right, Jen, I learned a lot talking to Andre and Felicia. We interviewed them both back to back and we kind of did that on purpose because I think there's so much information out there about our candidates for mayor. And you can actually go back a couple episodes and you can hear our interview with with Mayor Reed, who's also yeah, and running. What we'll do is maybe when we push this out on social, we'll push out the Kasim one out, too, so that. Folks, if they want to go back and listen to the Kasim one, they can. But Andre and Felicia were both great. Oh, my gosh. So what was crazy about it is that, you know, I've been watching all the debates. And I know this as a candidate, too. You get so nervous when you're in a formal debate situation that, you know, you can't really show your personality very much. Or at least, you're, you know, you don't want to or you're scared to. And it was so refreshing just to talk to them. You know, without that pressure, I mean, you know, I mean, this is a low pressure situation and I don't think this made the interview, but Felicia said she had listened to this show. So she was I think she was ready for it. She knew that I'd come at I always come out with our important people with a dumb question (laughs) or like something to lighten. But like, look, Andre talking about his three favorite places where he would send a guest. Oh, so fun. Or her talking about the three people that are truly Atlanta. Like that's I don't know. That carries a lot of weight. Well, and her the whole by Felicia thing was really funny. Funny. I have to say. And, you know, Andre coming out and talking about uh, Mayor Franklin's endorsement and what felicia didn't say is that she got the endorsement of emily's list which is which is a big deal and and i mean andre just running into governor kemp you know just recently just kind of crazy right i mean well and i didn't know she went down to talk to burt jones i mean it's this kind of stuff that you you don't hear on these formal on the formal debate stage look at us providing the information goodness Such a public service. Okay, another public service. I want to remind everybody to go get Jason Isbell's album. He's got a new record out. You know, I don't know if you remember this, Jen. I don't know. You're not a big music fan, but he did. I mean, you are right. But like, not really. Yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) So he said, and this leads to another interesting, you know, final thought that when Warnock and Ossoff were running and he was like advocating for them. He said, if Joe Biden wins Georgia, he's going to make an album of all uh, Georgia covers, Driving and Crying, R.E.M., Indigo Girls, if Biden won. And he did it and it came out. And so there's some really great music on there. Well, I think it's incredible. The The, the question I would ask him is if he really thought that was going to happen. So. Uh- I mean, I'm glad it did, but, you know, that it is kind of funny. Uh, right. I mean, and it did. And then, you know, of course, you had the the senator's race. And then now you have uh, the final thought of which we had a good time with on Twitter with the former president coming out and saying, because you're not supporting me, just Republicans don't go out and vote. Do you think that will carry any weight? Yeah, I mean, I do. 
I think that he has a significant base here, and there is a portion of that base that listens to everything he says. So, so far, he has said to vote for Stacey Abrams, who hasn't announced she's even running yet. We haven't even gone there. Yeah. And now he's saying, because you won't fix the election for me, therefore, you should not vote at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's just not much to say, because from a political perspective, as someone who's on the other side, right, I'm like, okay, you know, (laughs) but just in terms of somebody who really cares about democracy, it's it, it kind of shows you kind of we're in a, we're in a tough spot right now. Georgia is never boring. You have these things happening. You have rock stars making albums for Georgia just because nobody can predict anything that's ever going to happen here. So that's why we're here. We're we're doing the work. Hey, thanks Christina Laringer for always producing and giving us her time. We are so appreciative of her. Everybody go to Jen for Georgia. That's Jen, the number four GA. She does not tell me to say this. This is not even in the script, but you should do that. And we need to, I mean, you need to get there so you don't have time for me anymore. I hate to even say that, but I'm just, oh, I'm always going to have time for you. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you next time. 